Welcome to episode 33 of the Goals in Motion podcast part 2. This week we're going to be reviewing game week 4 from the games in the Premier League and talking about the all-important VAR controversies. Enjoy. And as always on the podcast, we would like to say thank you to Jensen Day for his music for the podcast. You can find him on Apple Music, Spotify and all your music providers. Go and give him a follow. Really, really good up-and-coming artist and would appreciate the follow. And welcome back to episode 33, part two, where me and Aaron are going to review game week four from the Premier League. So... Let's let's start in match of the day order. Burnley against Spurs. Did did you did that game go the way you thought it would? And was there any surprises along the way? As I don't think it was going to go many other ways. We've said before, Burnley's high line is going to cost them. It did because it was the same kind of pass that split them up and consistently. Um, I mean, I will give credit to Burnley. Just well, mainly that Coley Osho, his pace is absolutely ridiculous. He did well for the first goal. Um but you know, Tottenham are playing well. Uh and even the goal back that Burnley got was a poor goal from Tottenham to concede from their point of view. Um But say we want about who Tottenham are playing, Burnley, lower team, whatever, this is what happens when Richardson doesn't play, because he contributes nothing. You won't replace Kane's goals since he's left but Son will do alright if he plays down the middle because he played today and he was he was quality he did what Son does so um, yeah they did alright Madison you know Madison scored a good goal but the, the goal Madison scored where it was you know the 1-2 pass coming on the inside and curling it in he did that a couple of times in the game and they just didn't learn from it so um, it was their own undoing so yeah just kind of the result expected yeah. and yeah what are you thinking um well when when we watched the game back i thought there was there was a few key moments like you say Richarlison not playing or not starting was was key because i don't think he contributes much um obviously his claim to fame's a couple of goals in the world cup isn't it um that's that's what he Says on social media constantly, oh well, have you scored? When people criticise him, well, you haven't scored a goal in the World Cup or whatever, which is. But he hasn't won a, a trophy or a golden boot or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Defenders have scored own goals in the World Cup. Let's give them credit. Yeah. You scored a goal. No, exactly. So, to go go into the game for me, there were, there was key moments. You know, for um, so for the first goal, uh, for the first Spurs goal anyway, uh, no press from. Al Dakil, but he doesn't even look like an Al Dakil, does he? No, I mean somebody, somebody's got to, you know, he was there was no press from him, but then the defender that Shea or O'Shea, whichever one mm. it is, he stood right behind him, like looking at where is it Solomon? Yeah, Solomon's gonna go. He doesn't realize Son's like right there, or if he does, he has to stand in the way. Yeah. So that that ball that pass isn't onto Son, so you have to stand in the way to take that pass option off. But he doesn't. He just hangs about and stands yeah. in the box. It's like he's trying to keep the line with Al, whatever he's called. Al Dakil. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won't remember that. But yeah, he should have. He should have blocked the pass off. But you know, again, it's 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 schoolboy errors, and yeah, they they need to stop making them. Yeah. Quickly. So the the schoolboy errors, 
obviously are going to cost you. So you've got, for Madison and Pedro Porro in the first half, they had some good chances. There was no press there. Romero's goal to make it 2-1. No press. Madison goal, lack of awareness from Aldakil again. I don't want to single out a player, but he had a shocker. And why, why do you feel, apart from the high line, which the need to adapt against certain teams, why do you feel Burnley just aren't pressing? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. I mean... Company can say all he wants that he's, you know, he's confident in his team and that, which he probably is. But when managers say like we've got no fear of what we're up against or something, mm. the actions don't match the words, because when your team won't press and take the game to somebody, it's it's fear of what's going to come back. Yeah. At least like last season or the season before, whichever it was, when Bielsa came up with Leeds, like you knew if they kept playing that way that they were going to concede goals. But he said they didn't have any fear and he proved it. Because was it first game of the season where they played City? Did they beat them? I, I can't remember specifically, but regardless of what it was... They went at them. They, they went at them. Yeah, yeah. So his actions matched when he said, we're not fear, mm. we know what we're in for, we're going to play our style. One hour, I think it was. But that's what company's saying, but I, I don't see that. Yeah. I don't see that you, you don't, don't possess fear. Words, yeah. So, agree. you know, it's all right winning the championship, but like you're not in the championship yeah. now. And yeah. All I'm saying is, like, I hope they do well, but I haven't seen any improvement yet after the first three weeks. So the bloody want to do well, they're my dark horse, aren't they? Um, but I thought, I'd be yeah, in the dark. To be yeah, honest. to be fair. So when you look at it, so two one, two was it half time? Was it just after half time? Half time, two one at half time. Yeah. Yeah. So just, two one at half time. Yeah. Um, just, then, just quickly, what were your yeah. thoughts on that Romero goal about like that amateur defending, just trying to? kick the ball away and get the ball loose and then he kicks it right into his path. You can't just stick a lazy leg out. It's it's so schoolboy. And and you don't obviously the championship is a decent level. But when you look at it and the, there's this precedence now, isn't there, in the yeah. Premier League, right? So there's this precedence from pundits and people who do analysis who go, it's the biggest step up in world football. Right. Well, that's not proven. It's it's a very hard league to step into, but who's to say you know, Serie B to Serie A, League Two to League One, like in France, yeah. like obviously it's not as big because of because of the you know the amount of commercialisation and stuff like that. That'd be a weird one if that was a step up because of how poor them leagues are and how slow yeah. they are. Mm. If it's a big step up, then how slow are the lower oh, leagues? I know, like, I know. Wow. Yeah. So so for that, yeah, I just. The no press thing confuses me because, like you say, it's almost like it's all bark no bite from company and his team, because he's made decent signings. I wouldn't say amazing signings, decent signings for them to maybe stay in the league and compete in games with teams around them. But it's just lack of awareness from the defender. Just bloody toe poke it out if you want. Bloody, when they say when you're teaching kids to play football, if in doubt boot it out, like not yeah. if in doubt kick it to the nearest attacking player. It doesn't make any sense. I thought when the game was in the ascendancy at 2-1, Vicario made a really good save from Lyle Foster early in the second half. That maybe could have swayed the game a little bit, depending on which way you want to look at it. Um, But he didn't really have a lot to do, but obviously when he was called upon, um, it it was a decent shot by Lyle Foster, and he tipped it over the goal to his right-hand side, over the crossbar. So I thought thought that was was pretty decent. And then pretty much the next counter-attack, Spurs scored the third, so... 
Yeah, yeah. it's just it's schoolboy defending, and they just the the one thing you need to do in the teams that are successful: City, Liverpool. We haven't been successful for a while, but you know. Arsenal but never going to win the title but they had a good goal it's teams that constantly put pressure on and when they're defending they just get right at players Yeah. because you need to be aggressive and you need to be ruthless and you need to be full on all the time to get points and wins in this league and right now they don't have that so I don't know whether they're still just adapting to the league and they just realise it's just sinking in the level that they've got like we're probably in the championship they probably dominated the ball and smashed yeah. teams and they realised that that's not going to happen here because I suppose when you've spent 46 games in the league playing a certain way dominating the ball you know smashing teams or whatever it was they were doing then you come up and it's like well we're never going to be able to play like that again so it's yeah. kind of they're all adjusting to it but regardless of, of what it is um, the fact is they need to alter it quick and get up to grips quick because yeah. the points that you lose in the early stages of the season usually play a factor in the points that you miss out on to survive later on. Yeah, definitely. So that's so we'll keep tabs on Burnley going forwards. Um and obviously see what Spurs do, but you know, it's early doors. Um so obviously there's a couple of games in here that you don't want to talk about and I don't want to talk about being our teams, but Chelsea Forest, so I'll start and then you can and obviously we'll do the same for me. Yeah. You know, you start in, in the Newcastle game. So from my point of view, obviously um, being a neutral, um, I thought Chelsea were quite passive in possession. There was a lot of side to side with no end product. Jackson was on the stretch in the second half for his goal. Could he could he have done better? Yeah, he, he but, didn't need to stretch. Yeah, he didn't need to stretch. And I, and I thought just so obviously I've only got a few notes down here. Obviously, you'll go more in depth than I will, and then obviously vice versa for Newcastle. But for me, Nottingham Forest, it was a typical away performance. Take the lead. Sit in, do what you need to do. That's all I've got. What 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 we are thoughts on on Chelsea's performance against embarrassing, embarrassing. I mean, we've we've got enough to deal with a Forest side. Like I give them credit. Like I've said that in the previous weeks. You know they defend quite well. They frustrate teams. And if you make a mistake, we'll counter on it. But we've got more than enough to beat to beat the Forest side. It was uh, it was embarrassing. A couple of shots outside the box just for the sake of it that chance you mentioned uh, he didn't need to stretch like the defenders have slid down there the keeper's gone down expect not sure where it's going stay on your feet and just put it in but he's decided to stretch and he had a couple of other chances where his touch was atrocious um, Mudrick giving the ball away again I mean, I've, I've backed Mudrick and I will continue to back him, but the more games go past and I see the stuff he's doing, I'm starting to feel less sorry for him because his performances are subpar. There's players you feel sorry for where you think it's not really clicked for them yet, but they come on and they show sparks of this, sparks of that. Yeah. I mean, the spark he showed against Liverpool when, last season in his first appearance, we haven't seen that again. Like, he's just, he keeps giving the ball away, he's, he's missing clear sitters. And I know it's like, oh, well, he's not a striker. It doesn't matter. Like, these are chances that you've just got to put in or at least get on target. So, um, like I said, Forrest did well, giving them the credit there. They, they took advantage, but it's, it's another mistake from Caicedo that costs a goal. He, he made that for the, the penalty against West Ham, which he scored from. Him and Gallagher arsing about yeah. between the two of them. Another mistake. 
Um, so yeah, we, we've got to be a lot better. I don't really think we look too threatening, to be honest. And I mean, I wasn't expecting to blow them out the water because that's not how it goes. But you know, one nil, two nil, whatever it was, yeah. we should have won. And it was it was embarrassing and pathetic. Um, and it's not it's not a manager's thing. It's not like the tactics were poor, because we were getting the chances or whatever. We just weren't yeah. taking them. It was, yeah. Um, this could be a, a long episode if I keep going, so I'll just leave it at that. We need to get better. It was embarrassing. Um, we need to do better than that. But Forest side, give them credit. They took the chance. They did what they did. Um, and like I said, they won't be in any danger. Yeah. So obviously, like you say, it'll be a longer episode probably than the last one with it just being a preview. But um, so we we watched, you know, Chelsea at home and Luton, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. And we both we both got the the score correct and stuff and what so obviously it's Luton and I'm not gonna disrespect Luton just yet but what's the what change would you make so you go from a decent win there and obviously a couple of wins this season um, what would you change going into the next game that obviously that who would you take out the team. Who would you put in? Would you change the formation? What if you if if you've got the reins for the next game? What what are you going to do to change change it up so you so you can get a, a couple of goals on the break or or what? I mean, the unfortunate thing is the players that we need in that team are either out injured or not fit. You mm. know, hopefully, Lavia will come in after the international break, um, and having Caicedo and Lavia there with Enzo will do it. I'm not disrespecting Gallagher. I mean, last season he was absolutely atrocious. He's been he's been decent this season. There's been improvement. Didn't want him to leave. Glad he didn't leave. Um, it's just if Caicedo doesn't hit the ground running with us, there's absolutely no excuse because he's from the Premier League. He yeah. knows how to play, but he can't make them mistakes. And I know it's early days, but I just he needs to just think, stop making rash decisions. And to be fair, it wasn't all him um, against Forest. It was. And Gallagher, I don't know what was going on, miscommunication, yeah. whatever. But if in doubt, hoof it out is what we say. Yeah. So if the ball's there and you don't know if somebody's going to, you can't just two players stop and think, oh, he's going to get it or he's going to get it. If nobody gives a shout, then I would rather, if no shouts come in, I would rather instead of saying, oh, you, you'll get it, both of you think, let's let me clear it. Yeah. I'd rather them kick each other trying to get the ball away than leaving it and letting them run through. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's not a tactical problem, it's just individual moments like that, because the previous games, I mean the West Ham game, we didn't play that well, but in that game it was like there were chances were created, we were doing yeah. stuff, it was just weren't taking the chances, same old story, so I don't think there's any obvious massive need of like, that needs to change, that needs to change, because there is improvement from last season, it couldn't get any worse, but... It's just individual individual things, little errors like that that you can't make. Um, so yeah, I thought Madueke looked looked mm. good when he was on. He was that's what we need. We need players that are going to yeah. run at other players and take them on. He played well. Um, like I said, Jackson was creating chances. He was getting in there, but he just his touch let him down or that stretch. He didn't need to stretch. Stay on your feet and slot it in. Uh, so yeah, right now there's not much that's obvious yeah. needs to change. I mean, last season the frustration was when he kept playing Sterling and he was so bad. Mm. This season he's our best player so far. 
But, you know, let, let's see. Hopefully they've been proven after the international break. Maybe going away on international duty will let them switch off from club football for a while and they'll come back refreshed and realise that they've been poor and, you know, give them a kick up the arse and hopefully Lavi will come back and Kunku's out till, like, January, yeah. so he's still to come back. Um, and I think Badia Yashil will be fit after the international break, so yeah. that's a bonus. So let's, let's see. Let's see. There's no... Uh, drama or disaster mm. right now it's just it's just um, bits and pieces moments so I don't mind moments because you can stop them if it continues or it starts to yeah. go down no, but let's see let's see so moving on City against Fulham what we uh, apart from the <laughs> apart from the obvious oh, um, error a massive point in the game what were your thoughts on that game? No, we'll leave that point, we'll come back to it. Uh, yep. Same as you've said, City are always relentless, don't give up. I thought Fulham were, they, they started well, um, you know, for the first 30 minutes. Uh, commentators curse, where the commentator said that they had another shot or a good chance or whatever, the and then they went and scored. Minutes, yep. I think that was a shot from Haaland, I don't think that was a cross, but either way, yeah. it landed right for Alvarez. Um, and games like that, where it looks like it's just not going to, Go for Haaland, he might not get a goal, and then he gets a hat trick. Like that just sums it up. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that it was 65 million for Doku. I know they signed Joku. Yeah. I didn't know the price tag, 65 million euros, for a player that has got pace and dribbling, but I don't think he's achieved a lot or done much. Mm. But to be fair, he's about 2021. Yeah. He's so, only young, isn't he? And I would, I would trust. If I was a City fan, I would trust every decision Pep makes. So if Pep signs him then, you know, there's a reason why. Yeah. So, um, yeah, City did what they did. Fulham did well. I would feel pissed off if I was Marco Silva because that's, you know, that's a, a massive decision that went the wrong way, clearly. Yeah. Um, you know, they did well to nick a goal. Uh, the highlight for me was Tim Ream. You could just see him, I'm well on, I'm well on, I'm well on. <laughs> like six times, that was funny, but. Yeah, I mean, before we talk about that decision, what was your thoughts on the game itself? I thought it was. I so this goes. This this isn't just a Fulham thing. This is say. Well, obviously, I know I always bring my team up, but obviously you do, don't you? Because that's a reference point. So Newcastle, whenever we got the Etihad, I, f- I just feel like teams show City too much respect. Like, and I know Man City are unbelievable. They've probably got two starting elevens who could beat a lot of teams in the league. But show way too much respect. The standoff, the the don't press, the make mistakes. But City do make you make mistakes. But I thought for me there was there was moments in the game where, for three one, it was basic. And obviously I know you had that funny moment with Tim Ream. But talking to the same player, if his body shape's correct and he's side on rather than being stood, in a unnatural position, the the deflection doesn't happen for three one, because mm. ultimately that's where Harlan scores, doesn't he? Like. If his body shape is what it should be rather than being static, that deflection doesn't happen because he's on his toes and he's getting it out. There's no 3-1 and it's still 2-1 and the game's close. But I felt that moment was huge and that was after a massive moment anyway that we'll talk. Obviously, we've got a a VAR section later in the show Mm. so we can talk about that then. But for me, just Fulham... It'll feel hard done by. Obviously, you look at the score and you're like, well, you know, not really close at 5 1, is it? But 
And the game was closer than the scoreline suggests. Yeah, no, it I think was. After it that, was. after that terrible decision, it kind of like took the wind out of their sails. Yeah. Um, and then you can see, but you know they don't give up; they keep going. Um, it's just City just too good, and you just kind of like write a line under it and move on to the next game. Yeah, it's it's just one of them. It's just like you say, on to the next for City. But yeah, like I say, we'll cover we'll cover any VAR moments in our. <laughs> in, our, in our dedicated section to it next um, so yeah you can you can start on the next one I think Yeah. Brighton against Newcastle United oh that one <laughs> yeah that one <laughs> uh, yeah I thought the biggest thing I noticed was it was uh, Nick Pope was poor in that game I thought um, the, the clearance that he tried to make that went right to Brighton and then obviously he didn't he didn't catch the shot coming in where it looked like he was gone and it drops and obviously it was put in by Fergus and he's got to keep hold of that. Um, and I mean obviously it was Dan Byrne last week making mistakes. This this is the frustrating thing for your team or any other team when it's individual errors that lead to the goals because goals change games. You know you could be nil nil playing well and like as a player you'd realise it's fifty fifty we've got a chance here. And then like a shit goal goes in from a mistake. And then it takes the wind out here a bit. You think, oh my God, how are we here? And then it, you can see it affecting the performance. So errors can't happen because it affects a lot. Um, I felt like Joe Linton had to at least get it on target or possibly score. He did the hard work. He got in the box. Um, and he seemed to just snatch at it because there was a defender in front of him. And he just, you know, went for it. Um, and, I mean, that second goal that Ferguson scored, nobody moved. The defenders didn't move. There was there was no pressure. He's allowed to turn, look up, pick his shot, and score. Um, that that can't happen, which uh, was a surprise to be fair from the standards that were set last season, where you were so good. And uh, deflected third goal again, no pressure or the urgency to defend. Uh, Wilson's goal was probably the only real spark for you in the end. Like he did well to score that, but. Anthony Gordon chance wow like you have to at least get that on target but um, yeah I, I don't count much on Brighton they, they did what they did they, he scored a hat-trick one of the I mean a hat-trick's a hat-trick you get the credit where it's due but like looking at the goals it was one of the worst hat-tricks I've seen but you know like I said striker's instincts have got to be there to pounce but yeah um, yeah I just I just thought it was just a, an off day for Newcastle in general, you won't get many of them. I don't feel, but um, the floor is yours. What's your thoughts? I'm frustrated, similar to what you were for Chelsea. Um, individual errors again, which, like you said, if it's individual errors, it's okay to an extent, but it's fr- I'm, it's just frustrating. So Nick Pope is being consistent for us, and yes, keepers do have off games, and that's fine, not a problem. Um, like you say for the first one um, just put it out of play he always puts it out of play so for him not to put it out of play was really strange um, and obviously he should have caught it is what it is they went 1-0 up couldn't have missed because he was about 2 yards out um, like you say Anthony Gordon when he skipped through to Joe Linton um, Joe Linton needs to at least hit the target um, and then obviously Anthony Gordon in the, in the second half Um should be in the target. Isak in the first half should be in the target from that pullback from Tenali. 
um, and he didn't. And then obviously Brighton, Brighton did. Our, do you know what? If it's not individual mistakes, it's you could nick that game one nil. It's it's one of them. You know, it's what ifs, and obviously what ifs aren't realistic. But when you when you look at it, I'm just frustrated. We've had some tough fixtures up to the international break, um, which is no excuse because of the standards that are set. But for me, and this is this is a question to you, this isn't a statement. What does Dan Byrne do? What does Dan Byrne actually do that makes a difference in this team? I don't know. He's, he's big. That, that's all I can give you. <laughs> he's big. Like, he's, he's, it, yeah. He's, I mean, he'll be good in the air. I think that's a key part for him because of his size. He'll be good in the mm. air. Um, and when he makes challenges, he's not afraid to get stuck in. But he's he's not a left back, and I don't think he's good enough to start in a centre back spot. So, um, yeah, obviously you watch him more than me because you watch every game if you can. But yeah, from a neutral point of view, I don't I don't necessarily know if he'd be any worse off if he wasn't in the starting lineup because he plays left back. Lewis Hall has to play left back. You know, you've got Liveramento coming in now, who's obviously he's a right back to cover trips. Yeah, but. Um, I'm sure if I'm not wrong, I'm sure Trips has played left back before for like England or mm, yeah, yeah. So he's got the capability of playing both. So Trips and Livermento, Trips and you know Lewis Hall, Lewis Hall and Livermento. If you wanted to do that, just don't put Dan Burn back yeah. on that side, please. No, I agree. If if Botman's fit, Dan Burn wouldn't have started against Brighton. You've got to start. You've got to start putting Lewis Hall in though. And even Livermento, you can't like you can't spend seventy million on two fullbacks. And yeah, the young fullbacks, but you can't spend seventy million in a window and not play them. It it for me, it doesn't make any sense. And I know he likes to integrate them slowly, which is fine, not a problem. But sometimes you've just got to bite the bullet and go. Do you know what? Dan Byrne ain't good enough, and he must be watching tape going. He's slow. He makes mistakes. That press for that second goal was it. Where they just let that Evan Ferguson have a shot from yeah, twenty five yards no, out. Nobody went like, near him. Fabian Share maybe a little bit guilty, should have closed him down. But Dan Burns just like, Do you know what, mate, have a fucking shot. Go on, put it in the back of the net. Not not a bother. Like, I don't understand what he offers and it's frustrating because it's not like he's had one bad game and I'm slating him. It's consistent. It's going into last season as well. Where we had that run where we were unbelievable. And then I think did we play you away? Did you beat us? Or was it a draw? Can't remember. If it was last season, you probably beat us. To be honest, we didn't win many games. It might have been a draw, actually. I think it was against Hughes, or it might have been even the season before that, right? So we play, we play Hughes. We were on a decent run, and all Dan Byrne has to do is hold his line, but he doesn't. He goes ten yards too fucking far up the pitch, link, dink, dinks it over the top, and you score. And it's like you know you can forgive individual mistakes, but when it's consistent, and does this, does this, um, obviously. It's the same with like used before, like obviously when you got bought out and obviously started winning things. It's like oh he's a Geordie lad, he's from Blythe and all that. Couldn't care less where he's from. If he's not good enough and he's you know surplus to requirements, bring him on as a rotation player like Paul Dummett, Matt Ritchie, whatever. That's fine, but don't start him in the Premier League. And I bloody hope he doesn't start him in the Champions League for Christ's sake. Yeah, you've got to be ruthless. There's no room for sentiment for success. Like, you know, it's all right. The fans will always maintain sentiment for people. But within the club, for the, the big decisions, if you want to win, you can't have sentiment where they can't say, oh, well, he's been pulled for us in there. 
but the manager's not thinking, oh, well, I can't take him out because he's, like, homegrown. Like, if he's mm. not good enough, get him out. Like, you know, sometimes it's sad to see when you've got players you love and get attached to leave yeah. because there's sentiment there. But then, you know, players can always be replaced. And you think it might take a season or two, but then you think, all right, you know, maybe it's the right decision letting him leave because they've got this player in who's better. You know, and I think yeah. for Dan Byrne, the limit's being reached. You find that out when you go from, you know, you take the level up, you step up. So let's say you've gone from like, you know, six, seven, eight mid-table up to now challenging for yeah. those top four spots. It's a step up in level and he's getting found out now. So maybe that that's the best he can get that level, which ironically is is the level Brighton are at now. Yeah. Six, seven. So <laughs> that that's his yeah. level. This chase in the top four that you're doing now is, is far above him. Yeah. And uh, like you said, individual mistakes, when they repeatedly happen, it's because... You know they can't keep up with the the system that you're playing or yeah. the level that you've set. So I think you've found Dan Burns' level, and if you want to keep going for that top four, he should not be on for the ride. Yeah, I agree with that. I think talking of homegrown, Sean Longstaff, the average, the points average, goals average, um, and all that stuff is down when he doesn't start. So you've got to drop Bruno or Joe Linton, it doesn't matter which two, which one of the two it is. But then you've got Joe Willock coming back after the international break. He makes a difference as well. Um, I think Bruno probably should be dropped because he's been terrible. And that's not, obviously, you know what I think. I love Bruno. I think last season he was amazing. But, you know, you can't just go, well, actually, same as Dan Byrne. Obviously, he's, he's a far superior player. But to go, oh, well, you had a good season last season, so you can't be dropped. No. When you sorry, I think the hesitation it. comes from, like we've said, Eddie Howe's system is is quality, and the players fit the system perfectly. So sometimes it can be a hesitation from the manager, where he knows yeah. he's got this starting eleven where he can rely on everyone that know the system. So he always has that doubt of, well, if I if I drop one out of the system, are they going to feel it as good mm. as that one before, and is it going to make everything else go tits up? So maybe there's hesitation in that one, but I agree with you. Bruno's uh, been quite a shock and. Just, just one question because I'm not sure. Just to ask you, whatever happened to that Matty Longstaff? Where's he gone? Because I remember his debut against Man U, where he scored yeah. that volley outside the box, Amazing. and I thought, oh, that's a way to make your mark, son. What, whatever happened to him to get loaned out? Was he still hanging about? So he got, so he got loaned out um, because he wasn't. He wanted more game time, basically. Yeah. Went to Aberdeen. That was a disaster. Then he went to Colchester, I think, um, and then end of last season did his ACL our contract so he's he's a free agent recovering from an ACL injury I always preferred Matty Longstaff to Sean because I thought he was you know attacking players always get your eye don't they he was yeah. more attacking than Sean but I think to go back to Sean Longstaff he's the number 6 Bruno isn't a number 6 Tonali's not a number 6 Joe Linton's not a number 6 Joe Willock's not a number 6 the reason why it fits the system so well and people go oh Sean Longstaff he's not good enough but he's a number six and he helps the defence. That's the difference between last season and this season. They brought Tenali in, so you need to drop one of the Brazilians. Yeah. That's, it's just fact, isn't it? Um, but yeah, like I say, we could be talking about this all day. But yeah, frustrating first four games for Newcastle, but I'm sure uh, sure things will turn around. Brentford at home, the next game, and then I think we've got Palace and West Ham and teams like that where we you need to be getting points. Yeah. So, I mean, four points from four games for you, so I didn't expect that. I thought you'd have at least had nine or ten. Three yeah. wins, maybe two wins, and a couple of draws. 
So yeah, but we'll like you say we'll we'll see what see what's going on after the international break. Yeah. Um, and I hate them by the way international break. Oh no, just like why can't they just do the qualifiers? Like let's say that the Euros at the end of like let's just say if they were at the end of this season. Yeah. Why don't you put all the qualifiers after the end of last season? I know. You know because you get what is it? Like three months, isn't it really before? Yeah. Before you start playing again, so why not just have like a month period or something? Like you know, give a month break, have a month of, you know, doing it like like the World Cup when it comes on, where everybody's playing games at different times. Yeah, exactly. Do the qualifiers, you find out who's qualified, another couple of weeks off, then go to pre-season because when it stops the league, it's especially for friendlies. Yeah, that pisses me off. No, I why got... stop it for friendly? Nobody cares about friendlies. I, I would like to see the viewership on TVs for how many people watch friendlies because there's no way yeah. it's a high number because they're pathetic they're pointless they're absolutely pointless no, and it just you're risking players getting injured playing friendlies when you're playing for nothing so yeah no, I, anyway. I do agree with you on that one so I'm going to go a little bit different on the next game yeah. Sheffield United Everton so I've got one word and then I've got a little diagram so my one word is Pickford mm. absolutely fantastic he was unlucky for the deflection for Sheffield United it's too good to play for Everton yeah no I agree um, but the the one thing I'm going to cover, obviously, I'm going to cover last season's top goalscorers for Everton because they've struggled with top goalscorers. So, Calvert-Lewin got two in the Premier League. Obviously, he's got fitness issues, but he's more bothered about being a fucking model than being a professional footballer, but that's for another day. I've so, seen him advertising <laughs> with some clothes. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, Calvert-Lewin got two goals in the Premier League, yeah? Yeah. Anthony Gordon, who's now at Newcastle, got three goals, so he's gone. Damari Gray got four, who's today successfully got a transfer to Steven Gerrard and Saudi side. Jordan Henderson's Saudi side. So so two of the five have gone, right? So that's seven goals gone. Decore, who scored their first goal against Sheffield United, got five. The only player to have more, and it was single figures by the way, mm. Dwight McNeil, who didn't start against Sheffield United. So for me, it's a big season for Beto and Dan Juma. Like, to, to only have, you know, seven goals is your top goal scorer. Seven goals. Just to put on there, like, it, it makes even less sense because I know I've said before and I give my opinion on it, I think Mope is, is it pointless. Like, he's, he's not a good striker. But, like, he's still a striker. So, they're short on goals. Yeah. And they're selling a striker. Makes it's no like, sense. wouldn't you want it to keep them? Because if anyone's going to score goals, you would yeah. think it would be your striker. Well, that, that that's the thing, isn't it? And it, it's a strange one. But I think when you when you look at it, you know, obviously Gray wasn't happy for whatever reason. Gordon went to Newcastle. The the concern for me is obviously they've got Beto in. He's never played in the Premier League, but he he looks all right. He looks lively. Dan Juma obviously played for Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago. Or whatever did yeah. all right. Um, obviously Villarreal most recently. The Calvert Lewin thing for me, mate. I know obviously we're digressing a bit from the game, but. What's the crack with Calvert Lewin? Like, l- like literally, like what I, is the I crack with him? I don't know. Honestly, I, I'm not one to sell on that. His injury issues, I think, is well. That's as far as I know. But um, two goals. Just, just on the thing with Dan Juma, he he turned down joining Tottenham to go to Everton. Mm-hmm. So more game time. Yeah. Because. But spuds. <laughs> I mean, like respect to him for turning them down. But like this isn't about that for him. It's it's about career move. Yeah. Let's say he goes to Tottenham and he gets that game time, and then he gets a permanent transfer. This, I mean, they're still better than Everton. Yeah. So like, 
I don't know, like that that was his choice. He's getting more game time, but Would you have went to Spurs over Everton? As a footballer or personally? Because personally I wouldn't go anywhere near them. A footballer. If 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 you had two offers on the table, Everton Yeah, if I didn't if I didn't Spurs. love Chelsea and hate Tottenham then obviously you'd have went there career wise because even if you're getting bit parts of game time, mm. you can work your way into that team and when you're getting on the pitch you're playing with far better players than you are at Everton. Because like he can he can look good and score goals and whatever, but the frustration I would imagine in a team like that, where if you're playing up front or you're expected to get the goals, and there's certain games where you don't get service because the team doesn't play well, is more frustrating than if you go to a a bigger side and like maybe you don't win games but you're probably going to get more of the ball yeah and have more tranches to do what you've got to do, so then it kind of like puts it more on your own back to impress. Hmm. So if you're on a team where you've got the ball and you get time then you can kind of like help the team score goals assist whilst when you're at a team like Everton where you're not getting the ball you don't really get much so if you get a couple of games where you get maybe three touches in two games yeah. just hypothetically then you look awful and that might not be the case because maybe them chances you've got were only snap chances Yeah. so I think sense. at a team that has more possession with better players would um, give you more of a chance and even if you didn't stay at Tottenham maybe there's other Teams in other countries are looking, think you know he did well for that side. So, I that's his decision. I hope he, he feels it's the right one. I just I don't respect. Agree with it. I think I know I don't agree with it either. Mm. But respect to go. Do you know what? Tottenham are probably going to finish in the top top eight or whatever. Um, that that's his. That'll be his point of view. Um, Everton are struggling, and I think respect to anybody who takes on going to a team who. Are, relegation fodder and that's not me being disrespectful I don't think um, no because they are not that's not normal yeah. for Everton so long they were up in the top half yeah which which is the thing isn't it so I think for him to go there he's going to be a massive he is going to be a massive part of them finishing in a half decent position like in my in my opinion I think obviously better as well but I don't think it'll be enough to be honest no you think no I don't think it'll be enough you still, you still what yeah, you've seen so far you think uh, they're still going to go down yeah I said I've said before, Dakuri and Pickford, like I said previously, are the only some of the only two that looks like they're giving everything and the performances back that up. The others just look lacklustre. Um yeah. Dan Juma's chipped in, he's he's looking good. But I think even last season or the seasons before and this season the reason that they don't lose more games than they do is because of the standards that Pickford puts. Like if that chance goes in and Pickford doesn't save it, they lose that game. So yeah. then that's, that's no points to get, but they've got a point. So, and I've said before, I think Pickford's far too good to, to play for them. But he's, you know, he's, he's happy where he is, I think. He's never looked to get away, so respect to him. He's, uh, yeah. he's England's number one, you know what I mean? So Yeah, fair play. And just, just quickly, before we move on to the next one, Sheffield United, what are we, were we impressed by Sheffield United? No. Did the, no, did no. the... Do you, do you just do you just see a, I, a team I, who's staring relegation in the face this season? I mean, like I said, they're the same as Burnley, where they've got the possibility to change it more than Luton has. Yeah, but I, I don't. Not a lot like to like say I said, really. I'm not like one of them that watches the games ninety minutes because most of them aren't on TV. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's I'm not trying to be ignorant with the stuff I'm saying because I haven't watched every minute. Yeah, but from what I have seen, I I don't see. You see a team that's coming from the championship. And obviously that sounds like obvious, but sometimes you don't. I mean, look at when Brentford came up from the yeah. Championship, and like you knew that they'd adapted to the Premier League well, and you know they were cracking on and 
I mean, Southampton went down, but like when they first came back up, they they did well, you know. So you can see teams that come up from the Championship and they look like they're ready to be a Premier League outfit. I don't, I don't see that with these. Um, obviously, like you said, Pickford was a talking point. The good and the bad, or more like the unfortunate and the exceptional. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Everton goal, Sheffield United, they stood still, they switched off and let Dakuri have two goals at it. Very strange. So that that was, like I said, it's, I don't know, it's schoolboy stuff. Uh, Dan Juma's equaliser. There was about five, was it about three or four fouls from Sheffield United in the build-up. Four, yeah, yeah. And they still didn't get the ball. Yeah. So it's, it's one of them things where, like in that case... It's good that the effort's there, that they've tried to put the tackles in to get the ball, but like you have to get it. If it was, you know, or there was one foul in the build-up or whatever and didn't get the ball, but when you've got three or four trying to make tackles or bring players down to stop the attack and you still don't get it, you just you just look amateur. Um, and I'm not calling them amateur because you know they've they've got qualities there, but like I said, I just I just don't see them staying up or I haven't seen anything that would make yeah. me think, oh, these might be all right. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, so we'll keep keep tabs on them as well. Just similar to Burnley and obviously Luton um, from the teams who have been promoted. Next game, uh, Brentford against Bournemouth. So I think we both went for a Brentford win. I think 1-0 or something like that we went. Um, but obviously in the back of our minds, we're, we're quite impressed with Bournemouth's new manager and the way he's trying to set the team up. Um, for me, just a, just a couple of points. Um I think Brentford were fortunate to come away with a point, in my opinion. Um, the only, obviously, Solanke in the first half, obviously, you'll probably cover that. But for me, in the second half, if Brentford sit back for the last attack of the game, then was it um, Boo? And Boomer. And Boomer, right? That, I mean, that touch was it's, dirt. It's fantastic, yeah, but shouldn't it's have. avoidable. It's, it's the same as the, the Dan Byrne thing with you before, yeah. where. He goes in to win the ball and he doesn't win it. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that, you have to get the ball. You've got to lift him as well if you don't get the ball. Because he get he does that touch and he's in one-on-one. If the defender stands off and waits for him to come, then Mbumo's got the ball and then he's got to turn around and face him and he's got more chance of blocking him yeah. than going in like that. It's just... Again, it's, it's individual things of defenders taking chances that they don't need to take. It's un- ultimately that decision and I know there was other decisions in the game as well it's not just one decision on a defender but ultimately that decision cost them the first win of the season yeah because like I said these are the games where you look at Bournemouth's manager which we've mentioned and mm. the way he set them up and the way they're playing like without individual errors he'd have won he'd have won this game yeah. probably and then you think right you know that's what he's came in to do to Bournemouth yeah but it's again some of the teams are making the manager look bad oh I know um I just said, like, credit to Mbumo, he kept going because he missed an absolute sitter. Oh, he did, to be fair. And then he kept going and he'd done that, which he probably shouldn't have had that chance. But he, he did the touch and he, he got the finish. So, um, credit to him, he redeemed himself. Um, in the first goal from the free kick, Neto gave the free kick away. He just was not aware yeah. of who was around him and it was stupidity to do that. And then he kicked the player, gave the free kick away. Yeah. And then he's appealing, saying he got fouled. You didn't get fouled. Get back, get back in your box. Get know, back in your yeah, box. I, um, I thought Ryan Christie was unfortunate. He did all the work in the box, yeah. dribbled through, and oh, then what was Salanki doing? Why did he try and knock it on or take it for him? Just very strange. Get out the way. Let him carry it on. I think they, they could have scored from that because Christie did well. He looked like he was about to pull the trigger. I don't know what Salanki was doing. Like he, 
they were right beside the keeper so once he tried to knock yeah. it off I'd, Strange. I really don't get it it was a dickhead move from him um, yeah and I thought Solanke's goal it was poor defending from for Ben Mee yeah um, you've, you've always got to try and push the defender out wide uh, sorry the striker out wide um, but at the same time he's having to deal with him himself he, as far as I could see Solanke was the only Bournemouth player that was there forward in the box so why is the other centre back not come over to help him out or where where was the right back like again it's exactly. like it's like one ball that splits teams open so yeah like I said Bournemouth are unlucky but you, ca you can't feel sorry for a team that makes mistakes that costs some points because you can't do it and they know that because they've been here a few years now um, but yeah I, I feel bad for them in a sense but as you said, if he doesn't make that mistake, yeah. then they take all three points. I'm I'm happy for uh, for Brooks getting the goal as well. Um, first, first. It was goal a quality finish to be fair because if he hits it first time, the keeper probably saves yeah. it. but he knows the keeper's going to come and throw himself at it. Quality, Re really good for him, and it's nice to see him playing football again. Yeah, like to me, I thought that the pace on Rico Henry to get back, <laughs> and then the snap decision of trying <laughs> to play it back just costs him it, but. Like that pace is ridiculous and crazy. I know the fans love him and he's he's a good player. Like yeah, completely agree. Um, so the last of the games from Saturday, Luton West Ham. Well, it was Friday night, wasn't it? But obviously yeah. in reverse order, uh, Luton West Ham. Yeah. So what we uh, what we thought on on that? Uh, I mean, Luton's a lower league team in the Premier League. Like you know, I'd, there's there's nothing that I've seen from them that will change what I've already said. They won't survive. Um, Average team, average manager, is what it looks like. You know, people can say no, they're not. Well, show me differently. Make it make sense. Um, I mean, you know, they call it a fairy tale that they've got here, but the reality of this season will be a living nightmare for them, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just and, and West Ham, like West Ham, stuck at it. They played their game. They focused on it. They got the inevitable win, um, and I think. Jared Bowen's quality is probably one of the most underrated players in the league. I think he's, he's up there as the best in his position. One of the best in his position. He's, he's so good. But yeah, there's not much to say. I predicted West Ham would beat them. Luton are poor. Um, and that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The only, <laughs> the only notes I've got down are West Ham showed levels. Um, and they weren't necessarily very good either, West Ham. Didn't need to be. Yeah, so I, I watched it. On, on Friday night, I watched, watched the second half, missed, missed the first half. Um, but obviously then you watch the highlights, don't you? And yeah. it sort of like filled in for what I missed. Um, and I just, I really do fear for Luton. Um, and it's one of them where in May it was like, oh, look what they've done, they were amazing and all that stuff. Um, which is good, which which is fair, it's a, it's a fair comment. But the signings, the, the debacle with the stadium... The, the team, the, the manager, like, I just, I really, I feel sorry for the fans because, you know, when, you know, when, obviously for us, like, obviously we've been relegated a few times, but obviously Chelsea have been in the last 20 years and that winning every mm -hmm. trophy you can win, basically. So for me, as a fan from when we were under Mike Ashley, I understand where they're coming from because you've been promoted. Well, maybe in a different way because we didn't come from the conference to the Premier League. We were, you know, we were in a consistently Premier League challenge. It's good for their fans because I'm sure they've got fans that are like 50, 60 years old or whatever that's yeah. never seen them get that far and now they experience it. So that's nice. 
<laughs> I mean, it, no, it's no, nice, I know it's, it's nice brutal, but it's true. Ah, uh, yeah, it's nice that they can say the team they've followed from like the lower leagues is now in the big time. You know, so that'd be nice for them that they've seen, they've been with them all the way through. Um, it's that's their only claim of fame, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's only going to last this season, and I don't see them getting back up again. Uh, but yeah, it's it's nice for them, like you mentioned, the fans. It's nice for them to see that. Yeah, so we're gonna we're going obviously there's a few games, and obviously we're it's going to be a longish episode, so we're just gonna we're gonna skip over a couple of games and then talk about the the Super Sunday game at half four. So Liverpool Villa, um, we were hopeful that Villa would, you know, because of the way they play, you and I, Emery is one of the yeah. best best managers in the league, in my opinion. I think you agree with that as well. I think it's it's the same as um, <coughs> obviously no no disrespect to you, you're at a level now, but when you were you know at that level where you were yeah. coming off the Mike Ashley thing. Benitez was probably like a bigger manager than what you would have probably expected to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's Emery at Villa. You know, Villa are a decent club. Emery's won European trophies and that, so he's probably a bigger manager than them. Yeah. Um, and it's the same as, as when Rafa was in charge of Uzi. He's bringing the team up towards the level that he sets, which is obviously good all round. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just not clicked yet for them this season so far. Yeah. And it's like Diab is lightning. He looks, he looks mm, quality. He does. Watkins probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's always there. He's always sniffing yeah. about. Um, you know, like I said, Liverpool will win games because that's what they do. So I'm not surprised they beat Villa. I thought Villa would take it, but um, yeah, they look Liverpool are looking to get back up to that sort of level that they've got now. And then they've got Gravenberge coming in, yeah, um, for that midfield. So yeah, they they did all right. I think. Yeah, it's just one of them games that you're like, yeah, Liverpool get three points is what it is. You move on. Yeah, yeah, I just, that I just can't it. figure out why it's not clicking for Villa so far as of yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll click soon enough, and there's there's no doubts about it. I mean, talk about an upgrade. Villa went from what Gerard to Emery. Like, yeah. Wow. That's like the opposite of the downgrade we had, where we went from Tuchel to Potter. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, Liverpool did what they did. They play well. That atmosphere in Anfield is intimidating, um, and they back them to the tilt. You know, you yeah. can't. Like I've said to you, I always expect Liverpool to score goals or win games because you can never rule them out. Um, the same as was it last season or the season before? I remember because it was it was reminded to me a couple of days ago, where like people ruling them out where they were ruled out when they beat Man U seven nil. Yeah. And they were ruled out. It's, oh, no, man, you were going to smash them or whatever. And even then, I was saying, you can't rule them out. Liverpool find a way to win because that's what top teams do. Yeah, yeah. This this was the same. So th- there's no surprise they won. My, just, my good thoughts were if it clicks with Villa, they would have took it. But yeah. no surprises. Of, of course. Um, and was the other game at a similar time? Was it Crystal Palace Wolves, I think? Yeah, that was. I think that was just um, from what I'd seen. Wolves just doing what? Wolves, Wolves do. do. Yeah. Um, it hasn't clicked for them either yet. I don't think it will under under Gary O'Neill. I, I don't see Gary O'Neill. No disrespect. If it comes across a disrespect, then that's fair enough. It's not. It's just it's, just it's an not, opinion, isn't I it? I don't see him as a manager. I see him as an assistant. Like yeah. he was a he played under Eddie Howe. Because I asked you, I said, did he even? Yeah. Like, yeah. Was he even assistant underneath nah, him or just, what? Just a player. So I think. I'm not saying he couldn't be a top manager. But like sometimes players go from playing to managing quite quickly, yeah, and they don't give themselves time. 
like maybe if he if he'd got a job with like a championship team or something, and then he can yeah. grasp a style of play, and then he moved up. But he's there's obviously something about him that he, he keeps getting Premier League yeah. jobs, so they must see something they like, or he must have the gift of the gab with what he's trying to do. Mm. Maybe he's, he's one of them where he's, the way he tries to play and what he wants to implement is good. He's just not getting jobs at teams where the players are capable of doing that. Yeah. Sometimes people are too creative for the levels that they're able to operate at. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think it'll click under him. And, you know, Palace did what they do. And, you know, you can't help but love Roy Hodgson. Yeah. <laughs> especially when Quality. he was trying to <laughs> scrap with that player. Oh, and it's just like, oh, Quality, it's funny. It? I love Roy. But, yeah, they got, Palace got the win. Um, as expected, I think we both predicted Palace would beat Wolves. Yeah, I think we did, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was that. Obviously, we just went over them two games just because it was, you know, it they weren't the best of games, and it was just just a quick yeah. over. But the last game of the weekend, Super Sunday, um, Arsenal against Manchester United. So we did. I think I went for a draw. Did you go draw? I as went well? for an Arsenal. Win. You went for Arsenal. So obviously, you were you you were spot on there. Um, the game, the game for me was, it. So this, this obviously this is a debate. This is off the cuff. We don't have notes for this or anything. This is just me and you having a chat about we the main game. Because yeah. So bold fraud that needs yeah, called out. Yeah. Exactly. So before we get to before we get to him, I want to I want your opinion on this. So Arsenal against Manchester United has been built up for the last 20, 25, 30 years to be this big fixture. Rightfully so. When it was uh, Wenger and Ferguson, yeah. right? But for me, I don't really care now because I don't think it's that type of game. Now it's not ferocious in midfield, Vieira against Keane, etc. Right? It's it's not that anymore. It's it's more about the managers, I think. Well, you got an arrogant manager against a, an absolute fraud, in my opinion. To be honest, yeah. Uh, I mean, just the Norton Tenag. He likes to make everyone the scapegoat. He made Ronaldo a scapegoat and forced him out. Then he made Harry Maguire a scapegoat because of his poor performances, and now he's trying to make Jaden Sancho a scapegoat. Like, I'm on Sancho's side with this. Like, I'm not. Well, I'm not really taking anyone's side because I don't know the details. But yeah. like, if you ask me, because Sancho's not getting game time because he consistently plays favoritism to Anthony, who is so bad, yeah, and who is clearly now we know a wife beater, yeah. And the news that came out today, I seen apparently she was treated by man new doctors. Because they tried to cover it up, so my news doctors were trying to treat her, which again, you know, that means that he's probably going to go on loan to Hafi as well. Um, they just employ criminals now. But the one knack I've got with Man U, the team in general, is that Bruno Fernandez has that main character complex. He always wants to be in and the main man or whatever. And uh, I thought they were too easy to play against. That's what I said to you before. I said at yeah. the minute, and I think they finished the game with uh, what was it, Wan Bissaka, Dallo. Maguire and Johnny Evans <laughs> as a as a back four. Very poor. Um, but yeah, back just back to the managers. I just I don't see what Ten Hag's trying to do there. I'm sure I'm sure they see improvement, but I don't. If the football's not good, it it's his biased decisions. His fair, he plays favoritism. Like I said to you, Anthony's awful. I can't forget a hundred million. I think they paid for him. Hundred million. You, you can't forget that a hundred million. And they were saying, oh, City's paid £100 million for Jack Grealish. Uh, you can see what Jack Grealish brings to the table and the effect he has on a game. Yeah. I don't see what Anthony does. He's, he's terrible. Um, so, yeah, he plays favouritism with him. 
I mean, what else is it to say? He makes people a scapegoat. His, mm. his spending's been questionable. So uh, let let let's go through. So what he was saying at the end of the game, right? Yeah. And I and I had a massive debate with a Man United fan when I was watching the game. So there was two two or three points. So the first one was Garnacho wasn't offside. He was offside. So yeah, he's offside. Yeah. Obviously, he was saying he wasn't offside. Um, excuse me, ignorance. I'll just I'll just say the striker's name. Harland. Holland, whatever that kid from Atlanta. Holland, I think. That's it is. the one. Yeah. So apparently, that's a penalty. That's never a penalty. He's, he's just the link, didn't there? The link, didn't there? Was the link, didn't the yeah. defender just used his strength to see him out? He's not wrapped around his neck and got him in a chokehold. You know, he's just put his arm across yeah. and used his body. And then the third one, which for me, we were watching a match of the day. Don't, don't, and, I was, or <laughs> and it, I was saying, is it where's when, the foul? Is it when they said there's a foul on Johnny Evans? Yeah, when and Declan Rice put it in the back of the embarrassing. net. Embarrassing. Where's the foul? Like, that's, literally, that's... I was saying to you, where's the foul? Like, show me where the foul is, because there isn't a foul. That's pathetic and embarrassing that you're trying to claim there's a foul there. They <laughs> it, should be asking yeah. more of, why is nobody closed Declan Rice down? He had a couple of them attempts at the yeah. back stick, and nobody's got there. So, constantly, so, consistently, sorry, all game, off corners, until Martinelli went off, Martinelli was taking the corners, and he was trying to whip it. And I said to... Actually, the Man United fan I was watching the game with, I said, you want to be careful if Martinelli goes off because I guarantee you now the corner won't be whipped. It'll be floated in. I said, if it is floated in, that's where you'll concede from. And he went, oh, no, 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 zonal marking and all that. And I went, you don't know what you're talking about, one. And two, zonal marking doesn't work. And he was like, all right, okay. So as soon as Declan Rice put that in the back of the net, I looked at him and he said, oh, fuck off, Brad. And I thought, do you know what? When you're watching a game with someone, I wasn't winding him up. But for me... If I can see it, how can't a manager see it? Apart from sheer arrogance. Yeah. Like, no foul on either of them. It's not a penalty. It's not a free kick there. It's not a penalty up the other end. And it's offside. The way Gabriel tucks his stomach in, and, you know, also he, the shape that he it just... I don't know how he did it. But literally... That is absolute genius, and the fact that these managers come out and the sh- the Shuley watch highlight, not even highlights, just moments because they have the tablets, iPads, whatever you want to call them, in the dugout, right? Like I don't understand from a manager's point of view how you can't just go. Do you know what? At the end of the day, it was one all. We wanted to go for the game. We didn't get the job done, and just take the loss. Just take it rather than. These excuses after excuses. No wonder everyone thinks he's a fraud. One, because he is. And two, he's picked Bruno Fernandes as the captain. And they're both as bad as each other. The whine, the whiny little rats, the pair of them. And that's not that's not the mentality or the, um, or the culture I'd want at my club. And I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, I mean, mind you, we're trying to get back up to that level that they think they should be at. They haven't, they haven't got the team to do it. Rashford's quality, you know what he brings. Mm. That Hoyland looks like he's going to be a handful because he's fast, he's strong. Yeah. But your captain's one of the most embarrassing players I've ever seen in my entire life. All he does is dive, he complains. I mean, what was it last... There was a game last season, I can't remember who it was against, where somebody, like, I think they'd touched him on the chest this summer and then he jumps on the floor holding his face. Yeah. And, that's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> it is. I would get him in the dressing room and I'd tell him, you cut that shit out or you're not going to fucking play. Exactly. Like, And there's no way a manager could... I'm surprised Tenag never came out and said, oh, he punched him in the face. Yeah, as bad as him. But yeah, it's just... 
I think the the Ten Hag thing comes from the fact of how he was bigged up by my new fans. Yeah. What a world class manager he is! Look what he's done with Ajax and that. Credit to him, what he did with Ajax was quality. But then Ajax sold all them players, and I don't yeah. think they've they've been that level of the the same quality since. No, Obviously, no. Ajax do what they do in yeah. the league, but you know they had what did they have? Delict, fucking De Jong, Ziyech. Do some Tadic as well. Yeah, they they did well. He did well with them. Um, Human but, fidget spin a hundred million though. Oh, he's, he's so he's so bad. <laughs> I'd I'd be interested to know like any of my new fan that says oh his quality is this how. Tell me how his quality. He's yeah. not. He's not good. If you like, we know what. Don't get us wrong. Jaden Sancho's came and he hasn't hit the ground running. He hasn't been the level that he's set. But like, I don't remember him having a fair crack of like six or seven consistent games yeah, starting and playing. The, the the difference is you know what Sancho can produce. Like you've seen exactly. it at Dortmund and whatever. I don't understand what Anthony can produce. Footballer to footballer, I would put my hat on Sancho over Anthony any day of the week. Yeah, I would as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it's favouritism. He's a fraud. He, he claims he's this, he's this top manager. Is it's not. Like you can see that now. He's getting caught out. He's under pressure now. I think. Um, he needs to stop playing Anthony as much because he's not good enough for them. And like I'm thinking of how my new fans would want like to be at the top level. If you want to be at the top level, Anthony's not good enough. Hoyland needs to start, obviously. I know he, was, he wasn't he was fit or he was injured when they got him. I mean, they signed him when he was injured. Um, so, yeah, Anthony needs to stop playing. I don't care if you get Sancho on there or, you know, who else have they got as winger options? They've got oh, Garnacho. Yeah. Start him, start Garnacho. If you start Garnacho and Rashford on either side with that Hoyland up front, you'll do all right. Um, you know, Bruno's a captain, so he's not going to drop him if... He shouldn't be playing because he's not good enough. He's he's just, he's just an absolute girl. Um, no disrespect. I mean that in the in the nicest possible. Yeah, in the nicest possible way because he just he throws himself about and whatever. What you mean is lack of physicality. Well, that, that's it. Yeah. You know, because obviously there are women players that are strong, but like but compared not, to the compared men's to, game, oh, yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Yeah. Like he acts like he's not at the level of a man's game with that. So, um, yeah, honestly, he's just. I don't know. They just they need a lot changed, and they do it soon because otherwise they're going to keep dropping down that table. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. So obviously that that's the the roundup of match week four in the Premier League. Uh, we'll be previewing game week five, um, probably next week, with it being the garbage international break. But yeah, obviously before we wrap things up, we've uh, got a little section on the VAR. We watched. Um, it was on Sky Sports, wasn't it? Where there were the VAR, they were mic'd up and they, re- they released some footage over the, like, the most, co- like, I think three or four controversial games on it over the last yeah. f- uh, three or four weeks. So obviously we've talked about it. Um, and for me, obviously I'm, I'm a, a ref, grassroots. Um, so obviously it's completely different. But, and obviously know the laws of the game, you have to be updated with your knowledge and stuff like that. So for me, I, I've I've said since day one, since game week one, that the foul from Onana um, against that Wolves player was a foul, and it should have been a pen. But looking at the laws of the game, obviously revisiting the laws of the game, and listening to the referees, talking to the people in the VAR room and stuff, um, I've I've changed my mind. 
just because, don't get me wrong, I think it's foul, but if Dawson, I think it was, doesn't head the ball, then it's not a natural collision. But because Dawson's headed the ball across goal, and Onana looked like he's trying to challenge the ball, but obviously he clatters. I can't remember who the player was. Um, for me, uh, they, got, they got it right, and people won't, they'll probably be like, oh, you're only saying that because you're a ref or whatever. That's not the case. The fact is, you've got to admit when you're wrong. And in my opinion, the ref got it right, and and I've and what we, what I've said for the last couple of weeks was wrong. Um, yeah, well, they've said because as soon as that header comes in, then the law changes. Yeah. Like if it if the header doesn't come in, then it's, it's obviously took him out and it'll be reviewed. But they said because there's a header on it, then it goes into that category as a natural collision. Yeah. Which they don't give, so that's why they never give it. And you know me, I I hate the inconsistency. The referees annoy me. But like that, that's one where I thought, all right, that's if that's how the law is, then yeah, then then fair enough. If because I I didn't obviously I didn't know the rules. I didn't know that because the header came in, then it qualifies as a natural collision, yeah. and they're not allowed to give them or they don't give them. So that that that's fair enough. Uh, let's move on to the others because some of the other explanations still didn't make sense to me. The Aki and a Kanji one. Pathetic, absolutely pathetic. I mean, even listening to the audio, Howard Webb even said like he still should have told him to review it. Because you can see there's a stutter in Leno's movement. Like, he's going across, but then he stutters like because he's waiting to see if it hits a kanji. So the fact that they've been there and said, no, no, it's yeah. it's fine, Leno's full reach, full reach, so like he wouldn't have got there even if it had, if, or whatever it was they were saying, like you can review mm-hmm. on the Sky Sports app. It's pathetic. Leno stutters because he doesn't move because he's waiting to see if it hits him. Yeah. So how they can say that isn't interfering with play is pathetic. And like I said, even Howard Webb had mentioned that he, he thinks they made a mistake. Um, and he said, oh, we'll, we'll review this clip and yeah. see the mistakes they've made so it doesn't happen again. But it will happen again, let's be yeah. honest, because it always does. I feel sorry for Michael Oliver because I feel like the VAR should have said, right, Mike, go and have a, go and have a look at the monitor. This is our this is our opinion. What what do you think? Mm. Um, I think that would have been that would have made more sense. It would have been common sense. I'm um, not allowed to say, not even allowed to even send him unless it's a clear and obvious error. And they didn't think it was an error, did yeah, they? Yeah. So. so so that's what they say. But for me, I'd be saying this is what this is what we think. Can you confirm that you agree with us, Michael? Like right, and then I know obviously fans are like, oh bloody hell, it's taking ages. You're taking the piss, but I'd rather it take time, and there be added time, than they get the wrong decision. Yeah. In my in my opinion, anyway. So obviously there was that one that was wrong, um, and I think you know I do I do agree with. Obviously, we've been talking about it before we recorded. It was it was the wrong decision. Um, it's for like me. the old var on your grassroots when we are running about and somebody stood on the side of the pitch with a little laptop, saying, "Come and watch ah, this." Yeah, back. No. Imagine that'd be mental. Uh. All the parents in that huddled round looking at you. <laughs> Turn the volume up. It'd be funny. Um, so yeah, so there was there was the Man U one, the Man City Fulham one. What was the other one that they went through? Uh, the Havertz one. That that was explained properly, oh, yeah. and I agreed with that. Like I didn't think it was a pen. You watched it back, you see a bit of contact, and you think, "Oh, it could be a pen." But the way they explained it was yeah. there's contact, and then Havertz still took a full step. Was it? Yeah, he, there was a bit of contact, and then he still took the step, step, step fell, and yeah. then fell. 
So the contact didn't take him down. Yeah. So it's like he's got contact, but he was still able to run, and then he's went down. So that's why they didn't give it, because it's not enough. Which, fair enough, I agree with that. When they put it like that, it's right. Yeah. So, because if you get contact and it takes you out, mm -hmm. that's a foul. But the fact that he was able to take another step and another stride yeah. means that that wasn't enough contact to take him down. So he's a different one for you. I agree, by the way, with the decision. Yeah. I wasn't sure at the time, but watching the replays and watching that footage. So is that a yellow card to have it then? If, he, if it's not... What stops them from giving him a yellow card, I think, is the fact that there is contact. Like a minimum, so, absolute minimum. Yeah, but I think they would look at it and say, like, well... If Havertz argued and say, well, I was touched, then they can't say you weren't because he was. Yeah. So to just, they're just not going to give it. I think if there was no contact, he gets booked. Yeah. But because he's got an argument on his side, even though it makes no yeah. difference, then they wouldn't give me a yellow card because there was contact. It just wasn't enough to he's take He's through on goal. He's through on goal, as. Why it's, is he going down? It's Havertz. He, because that's what he does. It's Havertz. He wouldn't have scored if he'd have got through. He really wouldn't have scored. He goes down because that's what he did. He did it for us. I don't know how many times he got booked in that three years he was with us for jumping down like yeah. that. He does that because for a player of his size, he doesn't seem to have any power in his legs. He's just, that's what I mean. It's, it's frustrating to watch. And I, I mean, Arteta's quote about him is, is pathetic about... Weird, that. His wife and that. Why are you bringing your wife into it? <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, why are you comparing Havertz to your wife? I just... It was weird. He's basically, what he's saying is, in layman's terms, is it's not always going to go the way you want it to go. But if you keep working at it, it will. Which I don't agree in this instance. I mean, we worked with him for three years and it still never got there. So good luck to him if he thinks he can do it. Yeah. The hardest challenge is finding Kai Havertz's best position because he doesn't have one. He says it's behind the striker. But he was so poor when he played behind the striker yeah. for us. So that's your best position and that's how you perform. Good luck. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think, you know, like like we say, we've gone through a pretty in-depth review there, but I think that's the best way sometimes, you know. Um, there's been some, some good games, some not so good games, some controversial decisions, um, which there always is with, with the technology, with VAR and stuff in, in England for some reason. Um but yeah, that's the... I always say we've got the best league yeah, in the world cool. with the worst FA in the yeah, world, I think. And apart from one or two terrible referees, not even always the ones on the pitch. Like, it's the ones that are looking at a screen that yeah. can't make a good decision. Very strange. It's, uh, it's weird. Very strange. But yeah, that's that. Have you got any anything else to cover before, uh, before, before we go off air? No, I think, I think we covered everything there. Um... Feels like we're talking about bad refereeing decisions every show. It's yeah, just, it keeps happening, and I just I don't understand why referees can't get called out. Managers can call out players. They can call out other managers. They can call out other players' managers. Yeah, uh, and other other teams' players. Nothing happens. You mention one referee and you get fined. You know what I mean? It's pathetic. It's the referees are overprotected. Like they're the same as everyone else. Yeah. If, if you make a mistake, you get criticised because you're at a top level. That's how it should be. But it causes more problems when you get so protective over them. It's not even like if somebody criticises a bad refereeing performance and then like the FA says to them, like, oh, we've like given them a warning. Like, don't yeah. talk about refs again. It's straight away, ban, yeah. fined. No, I agree. It's pathetic. So you're kind of like doing the referees a disservice yeah. by protecting them that much because then it makes people hate them even more. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. Um, so like you say, we'll probably be talking next week about referees, but 
Um, overall, it's been it's been a good uh, good game week game week four. So yeah, that that's that for this episode. Hope you all enjoy, and we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one. Take care.